This is Dennis Ryan, and you are listening to The First Deal Show. Welcome to The First Deal Show with your host, Caroline with a K. On this show, we're talking about investors' first investment property. Join me for a trip down memory lane as we hear the good, bad, and ugly of that first deal. wonderful guest, Dennis Ryan, who is a flipper, short-term rental investor, who is moving into the multifamily space, so he's doing bigger and better things. And he's currently uh, looking for a 5 to 30 unit complex out in the panhandle of Florida. So if you know of any, please reach out to him and you can find out about how to reach him at the end of the show. But he's also a husband and father to two wonderful kiddos. So welcome, Dennis, to the First Deal Show. G'day, Caroline. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks. Uh, how about yourself? I am awesome. Thanks very much for having me on. Of course. So as per usual, 402, we're going to start Dennis off with the wonderful Kiss Me segment. So we're going to get you comfortable and understanding and knowing you a little bit better. So what was the first album that you ever purchased? Well, I remember it was a cassette. And I'm pretty sure it was like the Beatles' greatest hits or something like that. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. And I know I never, ever bought another Beatles album again. So I don't know if that actually says something about how much I thought of that album or or what. But, um, yeah, that's that's what it was. One and done. One and done. <laughs> yeah, so you, <laughs> you got your one and you're like, yep, no more Beatles for me. Okay, that's fair. Um, so nice. What was the biggest challenge that held you back from investing in real estate? Uh, without question, it was me. Wow. Well, you know, total, um, you know, fear mindset of, um, you know, can I do this? Uh, you know, will I, will I burn the house down basically and, and ruin our uh, financial position and lose our, lose our actual home and, you know, um, put the kids in debt and their grant and their kids in debt and their kids in debt. So yeah, it was all it was all absolute mindset and and just fear of failure. Yeah, and I think that's absolutely relatable to most people, right? Um, yeah, but some of the best advice you can get is just get over that. Just just take action and um, yeah, it'll it'll work itself out. Which um, you know I haven't had any bad deals yet. Um, so hopefully touch wood that keeps on going but um, you know there's a lot of people that have and and they've done extremely well after they've had some pretty bad experiences so um, you know that's one of the things I think I've heard over and over again is that real estate is very forgiving and if you keep at it you'll uh, you'll eventually get there that's a really great point and you know you said uh, just get over it and I don't necessarily know that I agree with that because I think we have to acknowledge it, right? Like we have to understand like, okay, I didn't do great here or something bad happened. And what can I take away from that? Cause if like, we don't just get over things, right? We have to feel through it, understand it. And then you just move on to the next thing. But like, Oh, that is so true. Uh, and you know, you said an important thing just then is that you learn from it. And I am a big believer that we learn more from our mistakes than we learn from anything else. So, 
to, to actually learn, then you actually have to make mistakes. So, um, yeah, and you, you, whatever you do, um, and if you're first getting into your first deal, you are absolutely going to make mistakes, but you, you will learn and you will get better. A hundred percent. And, uh, one of my mentors, I think would always say like fail fast and hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good one. Because <laughs> it's kind of counter. You're like, what? Fail fast? No, but it's true. Like the sooner that you fall flat on your face, the sooner it is you're gonna get up. And just watching my own kids, like they fall down and right away they get right back up. Like yeah. they're not complaining or sitting on their tush for too long. And right there's really the important part too, the the getting up part. You you get knocked down, you you just got to get up, no matter how hard it is. Um, just get up and and keep fighting on yeah 100 so we detracted a little bit but bringing it back to dennis what is something new that you learned or did during the pandemic that others might not know about you so i i don't think i did anything special um what i actually did do was um invest in some um uh multi-family uh, courses oh. one with uh fortune builders i did a course online and then actually went to a live one in um in Dallas, and something I highly recommend, um, I listened through uh, Joe Fairless's um, Syndication School podcast, which is a little tough to navigate because it's just part of his general podcast. So he's, it didn't go chronologically from you know episode one of the Syndication School to episode two. They were like I don't know seven or eight episodes apart. So and it was like a thirty episode um, program. So. It is kind of hard to navigate through, and I and it and it's kind of buried a little bit in his website, but and actually it's probably four or five years old too. So, um, but I just found it um, extremely educational. It was free, uh, so you can't beat that. And um, it, you know, I, I really think I learned a lot from that uh, class, and I and I'll still go back and refer to it to different things that I wanted to refresh myself on. Uh, you know now. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. So look at that, providing valuable education. Um, and finally, what is your favorite quote? So probably most of my life I've always just said, never say never. Hmm. Um, but one, the one that I'm kind of, is you know, the tagline on my email um, and I'm trying to live by right now is, um, um, I have no choice but to make it happen. And really, yeah. that's where I feel that that's the stage of my life I'm at. That, that's that is me to a T. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so, with all that being said, Dennis, where are you currently based, and where are you actively investing? So, I'm based in Fort Walton Beach in uh, Northwest Florida on the Panhandle. Um, it was a bit of a sleepy sort of uh, fishing villagey type of area, but. Um, we have amazing beaches down here that are, you know, Caribbean quality, beautiful white sand, and most of the time our water is pretty clear, um, which I think most of America did not know about. Um, but with the pandemic and not being able to travel overseas, the airlines, I think, have um, advertised Cut this on. area fairly um, diversely, and there's just people coming from everywhere now to, to not only visit but to um, to – move to you know with the work from home uh thing going on and um and obvious reasons it's a lot cheaper than than where you're from 
or from, you know, say San Francisco. So um, um, that's not only, you know, do I know my local market pretty well, but also um, I think it's a great place to invest because even if so we come into some hard times in the next six months or so, I, I think this little area is going to um, not be hit anywhere near as bad as the rest of the country. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I can attest to the beaches down there being absolutely amazing. Um, there is nothing quite like Okaloosa Island and Destin. Um, Panama City Beach and Pensacola really do not compare. Um, <laughs> and I remind you, might... oh yeah, that's what well, it looks like out there. Um, well, not all of them. And actually, my <laughs> home in Melbourne is a city. The beaches weren't great there, but um, certainly like uh, the Gold Coast up in Queensland, very similar. Oh, cool. Okay, I've never been to Australia, so I'll definitely put that on my list of places to visit. It's um, just sitting awesome. there. It's not going anywhere. It's waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, it's a long flight, though, like to Taiwan or Asia. Usually it's like, what, 15 hours? So I don't even know to Australia, like how many hours? Yeah, it's 15 hours from um, LA to Sydney. Oh, wow. Um, okay. But... You know, when you think about the history of mankind, um, uh-huh. up until the last, you know, two generations, it was uh, everyone else had, took six months in a leaky boat to oh get there. God. So, you know, 15 hours compared to what everyone else had to do, I don't I don't think it's much. And, oh, yeah, and, that's chump change. Yeah, and the destination is definitely worth it. Both both oh, going it? there and coming back. Oh, cool, yeah. it's I definitely um, will have to put on my list to go visit. It's not a place I really considered, but you're right. It's something different. Um, I was going to say, one other thing about it is the the country is the same size as the continental U.S. So Wait, really? Yes, it is. But we only have like 25 million people. And they pretty much all live around the coast. So there's no Midwest. um, There's no, uh, you know, Bible Belt or anything like that. It's... It's and most of them actually live down the eastern coast and towards into the south towards South Australia. But um, and Perth is the biggest city in the world with over a million people, the most isolated city in the world of a million people because it's just so far away from everywhere else. Um, but there's a lot to see there, so it's not really a two week trip. Oh, okay, that's more like month and a half, two months, maybe yeah. even a, like slow travel like three to six months to see absolutely all of yeah yeah go you know that's a trip where you um oh, wow you go and you rent an rv and and drive around whichever way you want um, so the west coast of australia is just like bare like i know you guys have indigenous people out there Mm-hmm. yes we do um, um who've not had the greatest of times since in the last 200 years but it's a that's a long conversation in itself yeah. yeah, but the West Coast, there's no, there's no like major cities. Other than so, Perth is in the southeast of Western Australia, and then all the way from them to so that's like being um, LA, and then okay. you know Darwin, it would be like Chicago, and so uh-huh. to, if you went around the US, not not cut across, if you went around, there's there's some country towns along the way, but um, no major cities between Perth and and Chicago. So is the reason that, for that? Yeah. Well, and even Darwin's not a big city. It's you know, a few hundred thousand people. So is that because 
the area is just um, really hot. Like the climate is not really good for industry or, you know, like why do they, why does everyone just stay on one side of the country? Um, so there isn't any, in the land really, there's no, there's no water supply really. Um, you know, there's some, uh, and it's, it's semi-arid desert. So, and the desert, unlike the East coast where there's a mountain range and then so on the mm-hmm. East side of the mountain range, you know, you get the, uh, the rainfall and the catchment areas for the water. Um, it's flat on that side. So there's, when it does rain, it, 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 it dries up pretty quickly and you can have a long, long periods of time without any water. Um, mm. you know, the, certainly you can live off the people that are there can obviously can live off it, but you know, a major population, there's just not enough water. Um, I, I would say is the main reason, you know, I, I'm actually saying this and I've never been out, I've, I've been to Perth, but I've never been to the Northwestern part of Australia. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I'm not, I'm no expert by any means. Um, but, Oh, wow. And, and really, the only industry out there is, is like mining. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, that was interesting. I learned a little bit about Australia, right? Some incentive reasons to go out there and check it out. And now I know like long-term travel, not something one or two weeks to do. Um, great. And so with all that being said, Dennis, tell us about your first investment property. Uh, so my first uh, investment property was a flip. Um, I had actually ran into it. I used to work in our embassy in DC uh, and became good friends with, with a guy that used to be in our special forces. Um, but I hadn't seen, I saw him in 2011 in Sydney for about an hour. And mm-hmm. in that whole hour, his wife really badgered me about finding them a house in Baltimore that they could buy as an investment. Okay. So, so I came back. When I came back after that trip, I was living up there at the time, and uh, I did find them a house on a short sale. We were still, it was about 2012, we were still clearing out, um, you know, uh, foreclosed or short sale properties from, from 08. Um, so I found them a really a really good deal, um, which they, ironically, only just sold in the last few weeks. So they held oh, it for wow. about 10 years. Um, you know, they got a great deal on it, so they made some money at the end and obviously had that rent for, for 10 years. Um, they, uh, and then now when I moved down here, I wanted to start flipping and, you know, the, the procrastination and the self-doubt was holding me back. And I, I reached out to my friend about, um, partnering with me as, as my, um, finance person, uh, which he agreed to. We just, we made a deal that there wasn't going to be any terms. It was just going to be 50, 50 split of the profit. Okay. Um, so, uh, we've, we were, I was looking and I could not find anywhere. And then my wife went to a ladies' night and um, was riding her uh, bike home Mary Poppins style um, <laughs> because she'd had a couple of drinks and um, <laughs> driving, riding up our street. And on our street, there's this lady out the front of her house who had a Fisbo sign out the front, which is oh. for sale by owner. And she was in a, she was just basically having a, a mental breakdown. Um, Someone her water had been cut off in this house, and uh, she um, so had some other issues going on, and but mainly she had this little willow tree she planted that was dying. Oh. So Crystal promised to go home and get some water and bring it back, and she comes running in the house and she's like, "I'm sitting on the couch. It's about eight o'clock at night in the summer. I don't want to go anywhere," and she is badgering me to come and. Um, 
you know, my wife never nags me, but if she's had a couple of drinks and she starts to tell me I've got to do something, I know her well enough to just do it. So, <laughs> so I, I reluctantly went down there and uh, we helped the lady out and sort of settled her down. And um, she actually gave me the key to come back the next day because I told her I was looking for a property. And uh, she t- gave me the key to come back the next day to look at it. So um, I just walked down the next morning and I'm, you know, I'm finally doing an analysis. I've done all this practicing and now I'm actually finally doing it. So I am really going over it very slowly to make sure I didn't miss anything. And uh, this guy shows up and he asks me a few questions and then he ducks back out the front and I notice him pull her FISBO signs out of the front lawn and take him around the side of the house and sort of push him in this nook near the chimney. And, um, you know, I didn't want the lady to, and then he leaves. So I I didn't want the lady to blame me for that. So when she showed up later on that morning to get her key back, um, I, you know, explained um, what had happened. And she goes, oh, that that guy, he's trying to lowball me. Um, As it turned out, she'd actually done a lot. She'd lent money to these people around the house, had... um, they had some substance abuse issues and had spent all their money, so they gave her the house to pay her back. She had started renovating it and was just way in over her head. Um, she'd actually extended it and put a new roof on, um, but was just, you know, having trouble with contractors and all that sort of stuff. So she was listing it for 89000 and And... Um, this guy was trying to lowball her for 55 and obviously didn't want anyone else to see her for sale by owner signs. So, um, you know, I did my analysis and I thought, you know, 89,000 was really cheap and I felt, um, I'll just offer her what she's asking. And I, I kind of felt bad about that because it was really, she should have asked for a lot more. And, oh, wow. but I offered her f- full price and, uh, she accepted. So, I had my first um, project. Um, I was worried about permits and so forth because I'm not licensed. I am a a master plumber by trade in Australia, but it doesn't count over here. Um, So I went and saw, I heard about this guy that was a local guy that I went and saw and met up with him and uh, just approached him about doing the work together. And and he had his own business selling uh, ICFs, which is an insulated uh, concrete block foam um, and so he and I yeah, made an agreement we were just going to split our half between the two of us we would just do the work so we were, we didn't pay ourselves as we did the work uh, but we basically did everything and, and fully renovated this house took us about nine months because we actually had to go and do things where we could you know earn some money to, to pay the bills um, and then so we spent about I want to say uh, about ninety thousand on it. So we bought it for ninety, spent about ninety on it, um, and then sold it for two ninety. So wow. Yeah. So with closing costs, you know, we, we made about ninety grand, and uh, um, you know, we split that in half. My partner got forty-five. I had the forty-five, but I just split it with the guy I actually did the work with. So we only made you know just over twenty grand each for for nine months' work. It wasn't wasn't great money or anything, but. Um, one one of the really cool things about it is that little part of the street, all the neighbours, this house had been an eyesore for a long time, 
and all the neighbors came, would come over and look at the progress and ask a lot of questions. And um, what happened after we sold it was, because we did do a really nice job. It, this house looked yeah. awesome when we finished. And um, all of them in that little section just all started renovating their homes. And it really, it was a catalyst to really bring up that, that part of my street. Um, oh. Which is, you know, every time I walk down that street, I get a good feeling that part of the street when I get a, I get a good feeling when I when I see that we inspired it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome, right? Like the quote says, "Be the change that you want to see." So you yeah. guys are like the change, and then everyone else kind of followed suit. That's great. Now I, I do have another little story, if I haven't taken up too much time about this already, but yeah, that I can add about the sale. Um, so I had just come from Maryland, where I'd been a I got my license up there, my real estate license but only like six months before we moved down. And so really, you know, I sold, I did maybe three or four deals. Um, so I was by no means an experienced realtor, but in, in Maryland, you cannot have both sides of a transaction. You can't be the oh. buyer's agent and the seller's agent. And that was a very big thing that they sort of, um, you know, pushed on us when, we, when I was studying for the license. Yeah. And so I just assumed for logical reasons, that's, a, that's the way it is everywhere. Well, it's right. not in Florida. Florida is a transactional state, and a, and a, and an agent can be both sides. They can be both the seller's agent and the buyer's agent, which kind of doesn't make a lot of sense to me because you know how can they do the fiduciary duty to both at the same time? You know, how do you get the the seller the highest price but the buyer the lowest price? Yeah. Um, but anyway, my my agent was really good and had had uh, posted the. I guess went on to the MLS, went on to Zillow, got a call from a buyer and ended up doing this fantastic job of selling the house, you know, on a walkthrough on FaceTime. Wow. Yeah. And, but the offer that I got came in, you know, 10 grand lower than what, lower than what we were asking. And, you know, when I got the contract, I didn't look to see who the buyer's agent was. Why, why did I care? I didn't realize it was my agent as well. So I didn't realize that my agent was getting both sides of the commission and uh, found out just a few days before we settled. And, you know, first of all, thought I was being scammed because I thought it was illegal um, and had called her up and she explained me, explained the law to me, which I looked up and confirmed that, yes, she was right. There was not um, anything wrong that she'd done. Um, but I was just disappointed that, because in the negotiation, when I got the low ball offer or the lower offer, I just said, um, uh, you know, counter with this, like halfway between. Um, but if she won't, if she won't take it, I'll, I'll, I'll just take her offer. So I'm basically telling her that uh... she could have, if I had known she was the other person's agent, I never would have said that. So, right. um, and where I was just disappointed afterwards um, was that. I gave you some feedback after we closed that if um, if I was the agent in that case, what I would have done was said to the buyer, can you come up 3000 um, come back to me as a seller and said, can you come down 3000 3, or 3300 basically? And as the agent who's now getting both sides of the deal, you know, it was about a point to, would have been about a point to give back, you know, to, for the agent to kick in 3300 each as well. So we all would have kicked in about the same amount. And, um, you know, I felt that would have been a win-win situation for everybody. And I would have felt that my agent was trying to do the best by me. 
but also the best buy of the buyer. And, you know, I said to her, if you had done that, you would have, you would have been my agent for life because, oh, wow. yeah. And she took that on board and, um, to her credit, she is a really, really good realtor. Um, you know, has, has made, definitely made it up to me in, in, in other ways over time. So it all, it all came out good in the end. Yeah. That's a great point. And, you know, that's a pretty solid piece of advice because sometimes people are just motivated by money, right? And then you don't understand that the long-term effects that it'll have on the relationship is really what's going to hurt you, right? Like a few thousand bucks is really not going to, it's not substantial and the potential you could have, business you could have made working with someone consistently. Absolutely. I, I, I like to say that the RE, uh, acronym for real estate, actually mm -hmm. is for relationships because this is the oh. relationship business and don't don't burn bridges just do the right thing by people look for win-wins create win-wins and it, it'll just snowball you'll you will have people that will come back to you forever if you do the right thing by them. yeah absolutely um okay so if you could go back in time dennis and kind of you know see yourself again when you're all bright eyed and ready to like jump into this, right? What would be a piece of advice that you would give to yourself back then? Like before you, you know, maybe when you knew yourself, like before you did this flip, right? Like knowing what you know now, what would you tell yourself back then? I would tell myself to get into real estate. Um, <laughs> you know, my first job out of high school was in a plumbing store. And I worked uh -huh. out pretty quickly that I was standing on the wrong side of the counter. Um, so. Uh -oh. I got. I put myself in a position where I got to know all the plumbers, and they got to know me, and I actually got to choose between three different companies to start an apprenticeship with. Um, mm -hmm. But I did that at the time because one of my values is responsibility, and I felt I needed to have the, this responsibility of a of a decent trade or income stream, you know, in my future. Um, I never ever wanted to be a plumber, and yeah. and, and then I hated the work. And so I've spent a lot of my time doing something I really, really hate. Um, and, that, and that's unfortunate. Um, so, and even in, you know, if you, if you get into buying and owning the real estate, you're the one then who employs the plumber. And that's a better place to be than to be the plumber. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so because, you know, on the other, on the flip side, some people might say, well, you learned a trade, so you technically are in the business, but you're saying, no, be the guy who's contracting or hiring the contractors to do the work. Yeah, well, so um, just because you might be in a part of the business doesn't mean you know anything about the business, you know, so, um, and, and that extends a long way. There's... Um, you know, I meet real estate agents, you know, like I said before, I've studied a lot on multifamily and, you know, I've met real estate agents um, that I wanted to, you know, buy. They've, they've built up some wealth over the years and one in particular has a, has a, a decent um, apartment complex in a place where I want to buy. So I approached her about it and um, she, agent for 30 years had never heard of apartment syndication. So, wow. yeah, so don't, don't ever take it for granted that people know everything about real estate. Yeah, they, they'll be, and this person, no question, is an expert in her um, niche of real, of real estate investing, a real estate business, yeah. but um, doesn't mean she knows they know everything about 
you know the, the whole scope of, of the different there's so many different um, aspects to real estate investing as well so um, uh, you know the, I guess the, the basis of that too is the importance of self-education um, just never stop learning and, and teaching and seeking education and, and obviously learning yeah 100% um, so if the 402 is interested in learning more about you or talking to you, like where could they find Dennis Ryan? Uh, you know, probably the best way is, um, Dennis dot Ryan. So Dennis with one N, um, probably important to say dot Ryan. I, um, and then it's at fwbinvest.com. Um, FWB invest is for Fort Walton beach. I, I think, uh, people mishear me because of the accent and, I don't know, get the letters wrong. Um, yeah, so that that would be the best way. And, and I'd love anyone can reach out if it's just for advice, um, for anything. I love um, I love trying to help people. Um, but I, I think just the satisfaction of helping people is um, there doesn't need to be a payback. That's their gratitude is enough. Oh yeah. And I can attest to that. Dennis is super, has helped me out personally. Um, so really great guy to seek out advice from. Well, thank you so much, Dennis, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And that is all folks. 402. Did you learn something or take away a golden nugget? Then I'd love it if you would share this episode with a friend. And I'd really also like to talk to you about real estate on Instagram or LinkedIn. So follow me at First Deal Show. If you know someone that has an amazing first deal story, or you just want to give us the dirt on your first deal, shoot me an email at firstdealshow at gmail.com and let's get you on the show. 402, thank you so much for listening. I love all of you and I will see you next Friday.